You're listening to The Spirit Hunters, a podcast. Find out how to join our now public and free Discord group and support the show at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. It's almost been two years since we started covering oh the Chimera Antark. Oh my <laughs> two, god, it's been so years. damn long. <laughs> yeah, uh, Smells Like Kid Nutrition came out in early October of 2021. Uh, I want to remind you that means it was probably recorded in late September. I'm looking at the calendar right now, and it is September 25th, 2023. This, this podcast is teething. <laughs> I mean, no, this season is teething. This podcast is... Five this years podcast old is in the terrible was it uh twos <laughs> terrible fives Ta- this time podcast is, is just about a to construct <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no yeah, oh, yeah. No, this, actually no this this podcast is about to start a kindergarten if not has started kindergarten nice well last time meruem finally remembered komugi much to shy poof's dismay and welfin's hair loss they were able to have their final moments filled with love and gungi Live, laugh, Gungi. Gungi. <laughs> I need to get that from my house. This time, it's all life-changing road trips, tearful reunions, and tense hospital waiting times on the next episode of ER. You better get ready. Honestly, that sounds like my uh, my last family vacation. Let me tell you about my new telenovela. <laughs> Wait, Patrick, I, I just realized I don't know your Portuguese family's last name, but like, I was about to be like, oh, tell me, and then we'll make a telenovela title that I'm like, I'm asking you to dox yourself if you are okay with that. Don't do that. Almeida. Wow. Okay. Never mind. That's not going to dox you because that's literally every Portuguese person's last name. We're good. My, I actually, we actually did a podcast with a Portuguese guy for, or no, a couple of Portuguese guys for a uh, podcast on the Saturday in Portugal. And one of their last names is also Almeida. So that's kind of funny. Either you're going to say like two of them were, and the other one was Martins. I was just like, fuck me. I should forget who the last one is, or what his last name is. No, but it, it, it was kind of funny. It's like, oh, yeah, it's my last name, too. It's like, hey, so it was like 90% of Portugal, so have fun. Nice. Well, with that in mind, Patrick, take it away. Already, we are doing the final episode of the Chimera Ant Arc, episode 136, Homecoming and Real Name, or in Japanese, Kikyo to Homyo. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, originally released on J- originally released in Japan on July second, twenty fourteen. Happy birthday, America! The equivalent manga chapters are three hundred fifteen through three hundred eighteen. Well, three hundred fifteen, sixteen, and three hundred eighteen. Seventeen is the last episode, uh, which released in Japan on September twelfth, two thousand eleven. Nice. Happy. Um, mm-hmm. Never mind. Anyway, Sarah, take us away with the. Uh, with a synopsis. Okay, so uh, we start things off with that the king is dead, and so the battle between the ants and the humans is finally over. Um, so now the Iskarto and the NGL, they're under provincial rule of the International Security Agency, which I guess is like their version of NATO. 
Um, yeah, I'm not clear if it's UN or UN. Because, like, man, well, I really wish I'd read further because they definitely get a lot into what the world government structure is like in the saga after the anime ends. Are they going to split uh, New Gorto into four different parts then? And then, and then, uh, and then it, it gets split between two different powers, and then they build a giant wall between it, and then it stays <laughs> up for, for like 80 years. Yeah, it's really weird when the next president of the Hunter Association says, Mr. Enter, uh, Mr. What the Gorbachev. fuck is that one? <laughs> well, yes, I know, I know. But I was trying to think of like, what's a Russian guy? <laughs> Grabowski. Benolan- yeah, Mr. Benolanov, tear down this wall. <laughs> well, that's a good guess, Patrick. What actually happens is that the three East Garteau get split. Um, their all their assets are split evenly between the three other nations of the Mitsunay Union, and then they all decide to govern the land jointly. And then the NGL is given over to the Hunters Association jurisdiction, where they decide to call it a nature reserve um, with. Under the pretense of so that way they can control and keep any potential um, maybe surviving ants um, underneath their rule. So essentially, Uskarto and the NGL are no pretty much cease to exist, and the rest of the five million surviving citizens are now effectively refugees. You know, I always thought I that was crazy. I was going to say, I just want to point out the last uh, large tract of uh, wilderness that we know the Hunter Organization, the Hunter Association uh, maintained is the Millsy Wetlands where the Hunter exam took place. So, yeah, them owning dangerous places and just letting people into them, not that crazy. So we'll see what happens with this. Yeah, I'm just concerned. Like, imagine, like, you know, you're living in your house, your, your country, and it's like, oh, these ants attacked, and now you're no longer a country. It's like, cool. I'm glad this country I was up for all these years are now non-existent. My favorite. Hey, man, if we're going with my thesis that this is, you know, a commentary on many things, but World War II included, that did happen to a lot of countries. Oh, you know, you know it, it is it is funny. Imagine, like, you know, I just think it's really weird, like, pe- like people, like, being like being born, but their country of origin where they're born no longer exists so you'd see you see like oh uh yugoslavia or is it the no um czechoslovakia or like or like uh, east germany i mean yugoslavia is on there too Real, what do you mean yugoslavia Yugoslav- doesn't oh. exist oh wow i didn't realize that i forget it's a bunch Man. of other countries dang i just think it's crazy imagine imagine being born in germany it's like and it's like you were born in the 30s and it's like you had three you had like four different country name changes between them that's kind of insane yeah, such as how the world has always been. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It's like, wow, you must be old if this is where you're. You're born in East Germany. It's like, yeah, a bit. <laughs> All right. So next, we see what uh, the ants are up to. So Bolster he decides to stay in the NGL with Shadore. Is that how I pronounce it? Wait, or Shador? Who is Shidore? I think that's the name that I saw, like, you know, like the little ant girl. Oh, no, that's Reyna. Oh, I think she has two names. Maybe the Hunter, the Hunter Wiki, because I was kind of going by it. 
I think that's that's what her aunt name was, and then she reverted uh, back to her original name, Reyna. I wonder. I don't remember them ever referring to her as such. I'm not saying you're wrong. More like I wonder if that's something that was in a supplemental book. It's like the aunt's referred to her as this because I don't remember them ever giving her a name. Yeah, I think she was always just never referred to directly. I guess to for uh, just to. I was going to use it for like a dramatic reveal, <laughs> but now it's out in the bag. She's Reyna. So I'll just refer to her as Reyna for the rest of the episode. So anyway, he I decides the, to say. No, uh, we'll get into why there's this confusion, but that confusion's on purpose. Yeah, so. So he decides to stay with Reyna and the NGL instead of going with Wolfen, who's going to go search for gyro he figures that well i don't remember my past like you guys i was probably just like a regular dude who lived in the ngl and didn't actually work for gyro and then he also points out that reina is more like Welfin and hina and the fact that she remembers her past um, but she doesn't speak because she's probably was a little kid when she transformed um, so the two part ways with Wolfen saying uh, Gyro's traditional goodbye in the dub, uh, which was the version I watched. It's just don't die until you're dead. You know, do you do you guys remember the song? It's my life by Bon Jovi. Yeah, never heard of him. <laughs> well, uh, it has a very important line that I am now wondering if the if this is a coincidence or not. It probably is. But there's a, a line in it that just says, I just want to live while I'm alive, which, you know, kind of the opposite of this, but you get the idea. Yeah. Oh, no, I thought you were saying, I thought you were saying the reference, like Frankie said, I did it my way. You know, the yeah, classic line, the classic line in, in uh, Hunter Hunter. Mm hmm. You know, I didn't actually, knew, I actually didn't get that reference until years later. I was like, who's Frankie? He's like, oh, I get it. I did not get that. At first. I think he also in that song refers to Tommy and Gina from No Easy Way Out, but refers to them intertextually in this song. Huh. Yeah, the Bon Jovi verse. That's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> That's going to be our next cast, uh, uh, Pod Jovi. Yeah, Pod- John Pod Jovi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Pod Jovi, the ultimate podcast for John Bon Jovi fans. It'll just be our most New Jersey podcast. <laughs> exactly. And we'll we'll do a potty potty jewel after that. God damn it! Okay, and so we see Welfin and Hina and Bizeth. They head off in their uh, in their basically go off on a van life on a life changing road trip to Meteor City to find Gyro. And you know, all of them are pretty much very optimistic, hopeful for the future. Um, even Visa, if he's just a regular human and now is like an internationally wanted criminal, but he's like, you know, whatever, I'm going to go with the flow. You know, life happens. He's legitimately a war criminal. And the other two of them are hoping to go to a den of scum and villainy and one of them hopes to find his old mob boss reconstructing their empire. This is like bizarrely happily portrayed for what it is. <laughs> and I'm just imagining them walking. It's like that one, the one bar from uh, from uh, SpongeBob, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. It's all these like rough biker biker dudes. It's like these ants just walk in and some like politician. 
Oh yeah, them just being like, oh wait, what is it? The Salty Splatoon is that it? No, Salty Splatoon's <laughs> the uh, that's the TV show. I forgot what it was. It was the it was when they were trying to find the uh, find the crown of the king, and they walked into this uh... like biker bar. I've never seen the movie. It's pretty good. It's actually it's actually a really good movie. At least I thought it was. David Hasselhoff shoots them into the ocean with his chest. It's nice. pretty sweet. It's just reminding me, the way you describe it reminds me of, did you guys watch Family Matters? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. How There's an episode talking? where Urkel and Eddie try to join a gang because I think they're trying to like find something out about it to to like find out who hurt their friend. But like Urkel, to show why he should be in the gang, they're like, what makes you so bad? He's like, sometimes I return the videos without rewinding them. <laughs> I, this is one of those things that I remember from like young childhood where I'm just like, I wish I had a different memory for like a more constructive memory than this one. <laughs> but yeah, I'm imagining it like that. Because I was like, I actually uh, committed a uh, massive genocide. I left uh, five million people as refugees. All of a sudden, you see them all cheer and just give them high fives. Yeah. Oh, it's like, badass, dude. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. <laughs> I've only killed three hundred people. You killed five million. Hell yeah. Yeah, they like made them into like a meat orchard. I don't even know what that is. It's a weird term, don't you guys think? Anyway, badass. <laughs> it's it's like and- it's like they're just imagining in their head just like a like just. A mess of like meat all over the place, just blood and guts. That's so sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have a very uh, positive ending for being quite terrible. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And now we then show Blolster and Reyna. Uh, they appear at her old village where people understandably freak out at the sight of them. But Blolster is able to convince one of the villager ladies to hear him out um, that he doesn't mean any harm and he only has a question to ask. We then cut to uh, Runa, who is Reyna and Kurt's mom. Uh, she's in her home, still grieving for her kids. Uh, the door suddenly opens to show Reyna, who Haruna immediately recognizes. It's a very terrible reunion. I watched this episode twice. I'd cried twice. And Reyna is asking, like, how did you know it was me? And Haruna's like, you're my daughter. I always know. Moms always know. And I always cry when I watch this. (laughs) Is this better or is this more or is this more bittersweet or whatever the opposite of bittersweet is than when Keiko recognizes Yusuke even when he's uh, like uh, even when he's possessing Kuwabara? I think it's a little more bittersweet only in my opinion because like... With Kuwabara, Yusuke possessing Kuwabara, it's like this sense of like, you know, she knows he's dead, but there's the message of he's coming back with implication in his real body or his original body. But with mm. this one, um, it's like, how, I mean, I don't know if the humans know how uh, the Khmer ants came to be, but it's. Maybe Timmy's a little darker. Like, I don't know if the mom knows that, like, yeah, my daughter was eaten and then became an aunt versus maybe, I don't know. 
a more yeah. naive, hopeful way of looking at it is like reincarnated into mm-hmm. a slime and yeah. an ant without being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, to expand what Hannah said, I do think it's more bittersweet. And what what really stuck out to me about this scene was the fact that. Both Reina and her mom apologized for things that were out of their control. And I think in contrast to what happened with Yusuke and then him and being able to possess Kubar and Keiko recognizing him, it was always Yusuke's death was seen as something that was preventable, but he did it to save a life. So there's like a noble sacrifice within it. While with Reyna's death, it's like inherently tragic and unavoidable and out of anyone's control. Yet both of them felt like they were responsible for it for whatever reason. So them being able to finally see each other and realize that be able to say sorry and ask for forgiveness, even though it wasn't necessary, it, that w- led to being able to heal together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think more of the Yusuke and Yusuke Pitsin Kurobar is more, it was more played off for like laughs in a, in a way. Like, it was more of a, a jokey thing, but while this one is more like a serious, like, oh my God, like just heart wrenching scene, you know? I think it starts off as a jokey thing in the cool bar thing because like he, you know, says like nice skirt or like nice underwear and then like grabs her butt. But then she says, you know, in a thousand, in a thousand different lives, I would always know it was you. And like that, that's still pretty tear jerkery, man. But like, yeah, not the same bit, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. Cause I think that also, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I just think this is more of an innocence thing. And that's why I think it's more like, for sure, she's not. I think for me, she's not grabbing her butt. Yeah, I'm, I mean, for all we know, I, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna say yes or no, definite answers yet. We, we people don't know. greet each other different ways, you know. I mean, it's an ignore too. I mean, you can just you know hit him. Was it the aliens to kick him in the nuts or whatever? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> oh no, no, sorry, it's strangle from the back. That's to say goodbye. Sorry. Oh, in scary movie three, yeah. yeah. Damn it. But no, uh. But either, either way, I really thought it was a sweet, sweet part. Um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, harking back to the joke we made from the first episode, I guess uh, she came as she was, as she was, as she wanted her to be, as a friend, as a friend, as a known enemy. I, or I, I guess. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Nirvana joke. Anyways, continue. <laughs> it's like, just ignore Patrick, just continue. It's fine. All right. So the village, they welcome back Reyna. Um, and Volser, he's like, all right, um, I did what I had to do. I only did this as a favor for Ikalgo since he let me live. I'm going to bounce out. Um, but then Reyna, he's like, please just stay. Let's eat together. And he starts tearing up and he's like, okay, I'll stay. And now they're both home. And Yay. it's just, yeah, it's just it hits you right in the feels. So something about this that I think is a lot more obvious in the manga than it is in the anime. There's a really cool parallelism where Reina is afraid to go home looking as they are. And so Bloster comforts her and gets her to go home. And then he was leaving. And like, it's not said that it's because he looks the way he does, but it's kind of implied that he basically mm. thinks he's a freak and she gets him to stay. And it's this really cute parallelism. 
I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, he's, he's probably self-aware to realize he's a giant ass lobster dude with a gun for hands, and it's like, <laughs> goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that they end the segment with the announcer saying, "Rena and Bloster home at last." That is sweet. Oh, I, I, actually, I know. Yeah. It's sweet. I think it's also really sweet because Bloster he 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 has said before, like, yeah, I don't remember my past, like, I don't know who I am, but this feels like home. So I think compared to the other ants, he was basically a blank slate. And even with that, he's able to find a place after all this. Yeah. Turns out he was not part of the K-pop death squad. (laughs) Also, I I just realized something. So this is, I this is kind of late, but uh, uh, the other person, who's the name of the girl that's that's traveling with Belzef and uh, Wolfen? What's her name? Is she? I didn't ever thought of it, but she had a really, uh, really close, to, uh, really close, uh, like looks a lot like uh, what's her name that died, uh, Ponzu. She looks like Ponzu. Mm, not really. They're a little bit. They're wearing uh, hats. Maybe it's a hat. May, is she, do you think she's a reincarnated Ponzu? No. So their see personalities are super different too. Like okay. Ponzu was not like flirty and like cheery the way that like uh, Hina is. No, that's fair. Yeah, I was trying to think if there's any other reincarnations that were meta missed. Because I know there, I know there's Col- Colton, you know, there's Colton and uh, Reina getting reincarnated as as a Colton, I guess Reina again now. Yeah, we well, have yeah. a listener question about um the reincarnation and like what it could mean, and like let's definitely talk more about that later because okay, I, I'd be curious to know your all's thoughts. Okay. So we switch um, the scene to the hospital and Morel, he's clearly injured but alive. He's giving a call to Colt, um, telling him how the politicians managed to twist things into this international crisis and officially write off the ants, um, claiming that they had nothing to do with this. And instead that the ants are now classified as a new kind of magical beast. So it's yeah. literally actually, rewriting history. <laughs> like, how do they pull it off? Like, there's in their video where, like, literally they kill the person. Like, this Leo, like, literally killed the person on, on like, video. I mean... And, like, the cheetah ripping off people's fingers. So, yes, but I, I definitely think they can be like, oh, that was just also happening. I mean, also, I think the idea... We'll definitely get into it when we get to the manga, but, like, the world government is not necessarily a force for good. Okay, so just a lot of cover-up sort of stuff, like maybe like cutting the video. Yeah, and like you could make the argument, even if you are saying that a force for good, that like, hey, not further antagonizing this is probably the right move. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely gonna be a lot of questions, especially the people that died from them or well, knew who they were. And the I think they they just terrorizing. end up covering it up by being like Minjolik wanted to do a cool mass suicide, so he got a bunch <laughs> of people together and then blew up a bomb. So they're saying that the bomb was him too, probably. So it's just like, yeah, Minjolik had a uh, like had a miniature rose and got a bunch of people together and blew it up. Fuck it, that's what happened. You know, he kind of he kind of looks like Jim Jones almost. Kind of looks a little bit like a guy named Kim Jong Il. Anyway, uh, it's like a mixture <laughs> a mixture of those two people probably. I don't know, about, I mean, I know it's mostly, yeah. They did like a fusion dance with the ultimate evil. Why not? <laughs> yeah. 
And so Colt, he has news of his own. So he tells Morel that, so there, if you guys remember that there was a second kid born from the Ann Queen. It, it now from it's grown from like looking like a tiny little bean to now a, like to a tiny little girl who Colt originally named Raina, but she's like, no, that's not my name. Don't call me that. My name is Kite. Um, shocked, Morel hears this and he immediately runs to tell Gon and Kilua. Well, it's gone. I mean, at least Kilua. At least Kilua. <laughs> I do like the way it's delivered, though, instead of just being like, my name's Kite. It's more like there's this, this little kid in the background who has a tail who is swinging around a sword. Just being like, no, my name's Kite! Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, he became, he got reincarnated to an uh, iPad kid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's what if Yoko Kurama was, what if Kurama 2 was an iPad kid? <laughs> yeah no i thought that was i thought it was funny when you told me about that when i was like i didn't even think of that it's like yeah because it's like the white hair to the red hair it's like oh my yeah, god white hair to red hair reincarnation <laughs> just imagine what? you like are entering a body of some human and then you wake up to only be watching and listening to coco melon all day <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like oh god what happened what happened to me why am i in this kid's body why am i listening to baby shark what is going on? It's basically every, uh, you know, you guys know, like the transmigration, like isekai trope. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically think, every story. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up as a baby and then you act like a creepy kid because you have the mind of an adult. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd probably play it incognito if that happened to me. Just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a kid. All right. And just like pretend to be because it's like uh i don't want to freaking anyone nobody would believe me so it's like why would i even do that had thoughts about what i would do in that situation because i'm like oh people are like oh yeah i could change the course of my life by not revealing what i know and just kind of like being in the same situations and i'm like that sounds so tedious and so sad and so just long and boring i'm like i would rather just tell you know my family who i am and just speak with older relatives who i didn't get to know better uh, and like you know, talk with them and actually get to know them. Oh yeah, no, I, I I would do the exact same thing, but I wouldn't just tell them. I like I just be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a kid, all right. I just wouldn't. Uh, I just like talk more cordially or whatever. Just like have that reflection. I'd give them and, stock tips. Yeah. Oh, some uh, Sarah drop. Okay, we're good. I think we're good. You there, Sarah? Sarah dropped to protest. Uh, you know, me giving people stock tips. She's like, that's insider trading. That's illegal. I'm call I'm calling uh calling the IRS on you. I'm calling the world government on you. Like I said, I think I'd like I said, I'd be more of a time travel tourist. Like I wouldn't change really any events because it'd probably unbirth my sister and my brother, so would not mess around all that. I would just be a time travel tourist where it's like, Yeah, I'm I'm definitely definitely Patrick of seven years old. I mean, I would just treat it at Dragon Ball Z timeline rules, which is, hey, I'm in a now parallel timeline. All right. Uh, so gone. He's currently in a coma, and Kiloa is patiently waiting by his uh, bedside, or at least like outside, like the 
surgery room that he's in while Nove and Knuckle are waiting outside in the hallway. Uh, the doctor approaches Nove and Knuckle, saying that Gon's still in critical condition, and he recommends um, not taking taking him to a specialist until he's off life support. Um, but Nove, he uh, then decides that he's going to bring the specialist here, uh, that they'll do anything, covering all expenses, even rebuilding the hospital. Um, th- in order to save Gon, there's no way that they'll let him die. So, yeah. And then Gon, uh, we go back to Kilua, who's keeping watch over Gon, thinking about uh, the past fight with Pito, how Gon was able to transform and kill Pito. He thinks about how Gon had asked him to come with, but he wasn't sure if it was as an order of a teammate or um, telling him as a friend and that Gon is always running ahead of him while Kiwa is left behind to clean up afterwards. Uh, Kiwa promises that he's going to keep doing this, but this time he's going to make Gon better and then make him apologize. So accountability, healthy relationships, guys. I can fix him. No, no, no. This is actually something different. This is the resolution of codependency. This is someone basically saying, like, I will fix this one last time, make you apologize, and then we are going to treat, we're going to be more even about this from now on. Yeah, because it seems like it was all about, like, you know, Killa has to fix himself. It's like, oh, you're going to abandon him. Or, oh, you're going to do this and that. It's like, oh, well, I, I, like, literally pulled shit out of my head to be better. And it's like, can you, like, do that for me, Gone, please? Yeah, this is him finally learning, like, hey, maybe we should have an even relationship. Exactly. It's like you can still care for people, but also hold them accountable for things. Um, That's what a true, like, friendship or relationship is like. It's got to be equal. Cue Ron Mahaff, equal romance. (laughs) Pour water on them and they change gender. No, I think uh, Kilo would just short out if you poured water on him. Fair. There. And then, so Nov, he uh, tells Kilua that he's going to use hide and seek to transfer over a whole team of specialists and all the equipment uh, to save Gon, um, asking him if he wants to come with. And then Kilua is like, "No, nah, I'm good. Um, you can bring the ho- you can bring the doctors here while I go off, and I'm going to find a way to save Gon." And he leaves the hospital. I, I like the phrase that he uses, though, which is go ahead and get the doctors because he's going to need them right until <laughs> I get back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if there's one thing that Kilo does, he's him. yeah, he's going to fix them. He's going to do it in like the most dramatic way possible. You got to have a dramatic exit. <laughs> he's literally, I'm going to fix him and then I'm going to literally fix him. And then the episode ends with a pre-recorded video message from Metro. Uh, he announces that he's retiring and that the next chairman will be elected through a special election. Um, that's basically the equivalent of a D-ring mission. Uh, and all hunters are required to cast a vote. All other details will be decided by the Zodiacs or the leaders of the Hunter Association, which includes someone we all know and have but just now see. It is 
Jing. And they all meet up at the headquarters that same day as the video. And that's it. About to head to Comic Con. Um, I also want to point out he does he does say all hunters, but then he later says ninety five percent of all hunters. And this does this seems like just a weird correction, but trust me, it matters. Yeah, it will definitely matter. Um, mm. So, Sarah, before we get into mm-hmm. anything else, I want to ask you what zodiac animal do you think Jing is? Oh, that's tough. Is this going by the Eastern or Western Zodiac? It's going by Eastern. Otherwise, like one of the Zodiacs would be like, I'm a scale. Is it the rot? No, but very, very interesting choice. Okay. The monkey? Uh, You know, I'm going to stop answering, but no on that one. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't know then. (laughs) I wonder which one is the dog Zodiac. Is it the cat? <laughs> no, yeah, they totally. don't do the cat in this one. <laughs> Wait, let me make sure. What does the cat usually replace? I think it's... I always thought it was... It's not the rat. They just have rivalry from Roots Roskets. I don't know the exact lore behind it. Yeah, I... And the cat usually replaces it in, like, the Vietnamese Zodiac, and I forget which one else is. But, yeah. Anyway... Yeah. Um, before we like kind of summarize this, do you want to go into the manga notes, Patrick? Sure. All right. So there's this really, really janky picture of a Wolfen on crutches, and it's he's looking really wrinkly, and I just put me looking into a mirror. Oh, did he go to the beach? Yeah, beach day. Hashtag, uh, hashtag, uh, gun, suns out, guns out. Did he go? Did he go with Ben Shapiro? <laughs> he did. He did. He did. He went to the beach that made him old. Nice. But yeah, uh, I just thought it was kind of janky. Uh, uh, this one I put before this podcast there's like just realized that Rena's name was also the name of the reincarnated kite. And so the confusion here is that Kurt thought that the little bean child was his sister. So do you think he? I, I'm just kind of sad. It's like, do you think he he doesn't know that that he's not doesn't know that aunt's the answer's sister. The little ant one? Yeah, he doesn't know that actual Reyna is his sister. Um, oh, and, no. Yeah, so you basically you have... I do think it's interesting that Reyna basically stayed the same age intelligence-wise and maturity while Kurt became, I won't say an adult, but I will say at least a teenager. Mm-hmm. It is interesting how that happened. But, you know, who am I to say about the mysteries of Chimera ant reproduction? To be fair, though, it it seems like she... I think that she just has the same emotional maturity or like a, a younger one because she was very shy when she was an aunt to begin with oh yeah no so, i'm saying that she's basically stayed the same while he changed for whatever reason yeah sometimes you just gotta sometimes you have to change to do what you gotta do but i i i guess if you think about it they have the same personality you know the him being I, him being like the guy that's like sticking up and defending you for know, sure you know it's like and, a losing battle I wonder how much it has to do with willpower, but that's a question for another time. I legitimately went to the Cryptozoology Museum uh, this weekend because I was in Maine and it's just there. I didn't see anything about Camarians there, so I can't give you guys any greater insights. <laughs> anything about crypto? Uh, no, actually, I didn't see anything about crypto, but there was this really uncomfortable thing where they mentioned a Russian ape woman and then didn't clarify what that was. And I was like, what is the Russian ape woman? 
Huh. <laughs> It'll be the podcast title. Who is the Russian ape woman? Do not make that. This, this yeah, podcast actually. title needs to be serious and important or have good SEO. Yeah. That, I just realized that title might not uh, jive very well. Yeah. Very, very not, very not the good vibes from that podcast name. But anyways, uh, awkwardness aside, uh, there, uh, there seem to be, like I said, I think we talked about it last episode. There's a lot of jumping around the manga, where right after this scene of uh, of Reina returning, uh, they they did the update on the the East Gotero's dictator's real location. So like I said there's a lot of jumping around. And here's another panel that you put in, Joe, of uh, Kilo yelling, "I'll make you apologize, I swear," and it's just like, I guess I'll, I swear I'll make you apologize. Sorry, read yeah, the wrong him, way. It's him yelling at a hospital room at a silhouette of gone in a bed behind netting or something. Fair. Very sweet. Very sad. And then I was pit- I think, I think you brought use this picture in the last episode, but it's just, uh, it's just the Octa or, uh, what's his name looking at? Uh, Palm. Yeah. Call it Palm. And it's like me and Joe. <laughs> Remember Father. I captioned this with pictures to send to your girl and say us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the same no, it's thing. pictures to send your e girl and say us. Yeah, pictures to send your podcast mate and say us. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then there's just there's a couple other really sweet ones you include is the the bolster like I got your back, I'm by your side, and like uh, her the the reflection of her saying come come back with me. Yeah, like, I just wanted to show us. you guys the parallelism and how cute it is. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> This was probably one of the most, uh, probably one of my favorite favorite moments of this episode. I just found it so heartbreakingly sweet. It's definitely an underrated moment. Mm-hmm. Same. I I loved it. I loved I love her eyes when it's like the the confused eye look when she's sad. <laughs> I think like part of that because he doesn't want to draw compound eyes. <laughs> That too, but I, I thought it was I thought it was a cute, a cute, uh, a cute uh, use of that though. Yeah, I, I'll go ahead. Oh, it's like it did make her seem very like childlike because I noticed they even did it in the anime. As soon as, as soon as she started crying, they gave her eyes like the squiggly detail instead of being like a solid black, mm-hmm. um, and it kept that way throughout the the rest of the episode. Um, I also thought the English voice actor that did her did such a good job. And most of the time, I think with like English dub, when they play a kid, it doesn't convince me. But I thought Raina's actress did a really good job. Sounded like a real kid, and I just wanted to cry every time. <laughs> yeah, I really like the dub voices they chose for this one. After watching the sub two times in a row, it's it's cool to hear the dub voices and the choices they did for the characters. And I thought they did a really good job for the most part. But uh yeah, and then the last one is uh so this one threw me off. Like uh, apparently uh it's it shows my name's Kaito and I put they're Kaito one four one two, but then I realized that uh something I missed is that she had a tail. And I didn't see that in the episode. I'm like, did they did she I don't remember her having a tail. So I looked up the episode and she does. It's like a faint black, like like, it looks like a string, but yeah, uh, she does have a tail. I did not know that, so uh, I wish I could talk a bit more about it. But that's going to be spoiler territory for the next part. So, yeah. Also, can we talk about, about Colt's eyes here? 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, what the fuck? He looks like a weirdly formed smiley face. He actually does like it. formed emoticon. He looks like the <laughs> awesome face, except it's doing a frown. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, did yeah. you did y'all notice that she had a tail as well, or did did I just like straight miss that? I only noticed in the manga because, like, yeah, I did not fucking notice in the anime to the point where when you brought it up, I was like, "Huh, maybe she didn't." Yeah, so I thought that was kind of weird. I guess it's you don't you're focusing on her holding the sword. It's like the classic yeah. misdirection. That's the operative thing. You're just like, holy shit, a sword. Yeah. Like, Why do these kids have swords? Kids it's it's kind of like in Men in Black when, you know, like he shoots the little girl and like when questioned about it, he's like, she's holding a calculus book. That's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> that's one of my favorite scenes from that movie, that series. I love that movie, man. So good. We need to watch it. Pod in black. I'm done. I'm down. What was she doing in this neighborhood with a calculus book? I love that. <laughs> it's like it's kind of weird, and this neighbor just Catherine. She's way too old for. She's way too young for that. And it's like, yep, you got it. You win. You are now. This other guy's just getting a workout. Yeah, I used pull to, ups. Exactly. It's like they're just doing just they're just living their life, and it's like she's just walking with a book, like menacingly. It's like why would she be doing that in this neighborhood at night? God, I was gonna say I was I was I guess last one thing I. Last thing on that before I, before I go about the Men in Black, I just like the idea that because of the third movie, the way that 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 Kay knew that he had to recruit him the entire time, it's like he's pushing oh, yeah. him through it. God. So I just thought that I thought that was kind of a. I mean, I know that movie kind of sucked, but I did kind of like that. that I don't think it did. Thing. I think everyone just like remembers how much two sucked and put it on three. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was no one, but I like I I thought that Nothing was cool. Is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess let's talk a little bit about this episode in isolation before how it connects to the rest of the series. Like, what did you guys think of moments just in this episode itself? I, I really liked it cause I think it was a good sense of resolution for like the chimera ants, which I know like in the beginning of this whole arc, you're like, fuck these guys these monsters oh my god and like at the end you're just like crying for all them even like um well i'm not not rooting for like bisef or like uh hina or anyone but you're like oh wow you know what i guess in a sense you're like oh good for you you're doing your thing i think um with reyna obviously that's the tearjerker I think to quote my husband, he's like, again, he was like, I can't believe I'm crying over a fucking bug when he's watching that scene. <laughs> but it's like, you know, and I think it brings up a lot of good, like, a really good question about, you know, I guess reincarnation and, like, I guess, like, is forgiveness and, you know, like reunions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think the, what's his name? Um, uh, Bloster, Bloss, whatever. Yeah, Bloster, Bravada, whatever you want to call him. I never liked him. So the fact that I felt bad for him in this episode really <laughs> says a lot. Like He was just such a non-character before this point. So I think that's part of why. Yeah. So it's like. You're like, dang, man, I am feeling things that I didn't expect to, especially since you would expect the previous episode to be like the emotional 
episode, you know, but um, yeah, no, I think, so that's like my opinions about it. Yeah, I was trying to think of like what a good real world parallel to this sort of thing would be. And like everything I was coming up with is just like too dark because I was just thinking like, oh, yeah, if we take this again back to World War Two, I guess you could say Bloster is like a recruited native Taiwanese person to the Japanese Imperial Armor Army coming back to a different part of Taiwan and just being reabsorbed back into citizenry. And I'm like, I guess I could see that working it. But it's just like a it becomes more and more of a I think there's limits to the metaphor is what I'm saying. Yeah, I see that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I do think, Joe, that it does kind of relate to really any uh, person who, whether they were forced to do it or they were uh, chose to do it at their own will, just like, what do you do after you've done um, a lot of egregious things to other people like is it their is it their place to forgive you but if they aren't there anymore like how do you move on with life um and exploring like what it means to have like a fresh start literally because they were all reincarnated um but also now it's their fresh start as an aunt now that they're no longer tied to fulfilling their role and meeting what was expected for the king. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's a good point. And like, I I think the idea you mentioned the idea of like people who lost a war and like have to, and even if they were like sort of the villains of it, finding new life and like a new purpose. And I, I, I take back what I said earlier. I actually think that metaphor kind of works. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I was basically invoking a subjugated people being drafted into something, forced to do terrible things. And that doesn't obviate them from, you know, like, their actions. They definitely still did them and, like, they still did some horrible things. But, like, finding life beyond that, especially if people are willing to give you that chance, is a beautiful and interesting thing. No, I agree. It's, it's like, it's definitely a giant analogy. I mean, him, like, having these this means of a body for war and it's, like... He's going back to what he believes that he used to do. It's like just the the, the psychological store, scars is actually physical ones. And it's like, how does he move on? While well, some people move on and, you know, go back to their lives, some of them have to, you know, go try to find what they lost sort of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it could be an extension of maybe everyone he ever knew is also dead. So, you know, finding a new surrogate found family is like an interesting thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I really like the way this wraps up a lot of people's stories. And if it weren't for where Gon is right now, this could have been a great finale for the series, frankly. But <laughs> Gon's not really in a good place for that. He's, yeah. he's taking a nap. He just needs to, needs to heal up a bit. He needs his rest. <laughs> I feel like it's it. I feel like it's very interesting how I think the most two important humans involved in this arc are either dead or um in a coma and the rest of them are you know pretty much doing more or less okay except probably just uh worried about gone so i find that interesting 
Because I feel like even Gon didn't physically die. We, I you know we talked in past episodes. There is something important about him that died that day when he transformed. Um, so it's interesting to see what will happen next regarding him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we can we can talk more about that when we kind of get to the thoughts on the whole arc. But um, yeah, I was going to say, let's rate those deaths, but there weren't any. I guess you could say two nations were destroyed, but what, what do you guys give the destruction of the NGL? <laughs> uh, well, I give, it a, I give it a nation out of 10 out of come out, ye black and tans. I give it uh, a 5 million out of refugees. 5 million refugees out of 5 million? Yeah. Fair enough. Hopefully they somehow learn to not be not countries. I just remembered <laughs> that 5 million, the reason for that number being selected was because that was the number of people who were in the selection that were going to be punched and made into Nen, like made into Nen users or die. Uh, at like a Nen pretty aid. high... Sorry? Turn to Nen aid. Yeah, they were they were going to either be turned into Nen users or just die from the exposure. So I forgot that statistic, and I was wondering why 5 million sounded familiar, but that's the exact reason. So I guess it was like just everyone was there from the country? Just Actually, like wait, let me there? clarify. I don't remember if it was 5 million who were going to be in the first round of selection or if it was 500,000. I remember there being a bunch of numbers thrown around during the part where the Khmer Ants were just marching people all over the country. And I think I eventually just gave up on trying to remember which numbers were like, hey, here's how many are supposed to be here. Here's how many we were able to scrape through. That's we'll just say there's a, a lot a lot a of lot. people and yeah. it's more than a million. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Um but it's yeah, with no rate though. those deaths then uh let's just uh you know take a second to thank our patrons before we get to the meat of talking about what this saga meant to us. But uh I'd like to thank Mickey, Mia, Tim, Valtteri, Alexander, Arthur, and Lucas. Um I was going to say, and now a word for our compatriots and benefactors, but we'll see if that's the case. Hey, welcome back. Uh, long story short, we have a couple things we want to do with the second half of this episode. Uh, the first of which is I'm going to go down a list of some of the stuff that we had talked about earlier in this saga and see what people think about it now. Later, we have some themes that I want us to discuss. And also, um, we have listener questions from listeners like you. So uh, we'll see where, uh, you know, this goes. But starting out, do you guys remember how different the intro in the manga and anime were for this saga with, like, Kite? A, a little bit. Basically, it's like a, the, the anime is more, like, action-packed, where the other one's, like, just a shows up and warns about the ants. Well, yeah, they they just show up in the manga and like Kite's like, "Hey, Gon, how's it going?" Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile in the anime, like Kite just starts shooting at them. He has to get down. Yeah, and then they do like a whole section where he's like, "You got to destroy the ant's head." So I guess no head. Another thing I thought was interesting is I mentioned this at the time, but the country where they're doing their initial, where they meet Kite originally doesn't become a big deal until the manga after the anime is done, but it's not mentioned, I think as directly in the anime. So it's kind of weird that it came up at all. Like it's basically where a lot of the people who are in the current manga are from. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fair. I, just, I guess I just forgot about it. 
I don't think they forgot about it so much as like, I think Togashi remembers it 100%, but he just hadn't made it a big deal by the time the anime was made. Yeah, it's probably I think it's like one a, of those situations. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, so I also remember a, a time in the manga where uh, one of the guys on Pokal's team gets fucking decapitated, and as he's being decapitated, he says something with his text box upside down because his head's been spun over. That's actually pretty funny. It's fucking metal. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Do you guys remember Ramit? Uh, yeah, I love... that, that fucked up rabbit. Okay, he was a big fucking character for the beginning of this arc. He showed up a bunch of times and was like instrumental in going and Kilo's growth in a way that like we just totally forgot about because he was at the beginning of this arc when nothing else was happening. Yeah, honestly, I love Chimera Ant, but like the the beginnings of the arc, it's it's really hard sometimes. Like it gets really slow at some points. I don't think the beginning does. I think like the first quarter is very action packed. I think the next quarter is is the part you're actually talking about. Uh, yeah, after, the, after like after Kite gets his head cut off. Yeah, um, that's where it like slows down. Yeah. Oh, now I just saw a picture of Ramit again, and now I'm pissed because he was the worst. So, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He had a huge part of kind of making Golden and Kilo realize that they weren't as strong as they need to be in order to face these, like, new enemies, you know? Mm -hmm. And Ramit, like, was gross. (laughs) I did not like him, so. Yeah, another thing I think is interesting was Kila, like, realizing his full potential, because he was already much physically stronger than Ramit, but, like, he realizes full potential emotionally to kill Ramit. Yeah. And so, like, Ramit's actually, like, really core to a lot of Gon and Killa's development, but just, like, does not come up much as a plot force. Um, if you guys remember, we also did some research into ants and termites, and uh, there was some discussion about how, like, there's a situation where colonies can sort of collapse and then different ants kind of go off and do their own thing and try to start their own colonies. Um, And this doesn't really happen in large colonies, but it can happen among ants. And so I think this may or may not have been some of the basis of like some of the stuff that happens before the king is born, where a bunch of the squadron leaders go off to try to do their own thing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them die, but the one I'm wondering about is the, I think is it the, the guy that went to the ocean, I forget who it was. Like he just like, Fucked off into the ocean. We never heard from him again. I don't know who you're talking about. There's one of the ants, like, when they separated, he just, like, walked into the ocean. <laughs> I, I'll believe you. I just don't remember what the fuck you're talking about. Let's see if I can find it. Um, Basically, there's it, it this one ant that pretty much just walked into the ocean and just, like, it's like, I'm going to have my own mate and stuff like that and just walked. They're like, I'll have to figure it out. Are you thinking of that meme of those two mammals? One of them's like, I'm going to feed in the ocean. The other's like, don't, my brother. It will change you. And then the next frame, it's like 50 million years later, and it's like a, a whale just going, Uh No, I'm, I mean, that is funny, though. I'm just trying to find out. It's it's when I remember the, there's one, oh, gosh, I, re, I re, wish I could remember what it was. One of the chimera ants that just like, it was, it was when they all split off. It's like uh, Leo went out want to do his own thing. Uh, the Spider Woman went to uh, Meteor City, 
And there's another one that just like, just like went into the ocean and is like made his own colony, whatever. It's like, and that was like it. You know, if that happened, then I guess maybe there is like a colony of of like inferior Camarians doing their thing. But yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Hopefully, I'm not crazy. I'll have to. See if I can I mean, find any number. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about the guy who was like a Cthulhu looking dude in like a Dom Daddy outfit? I think it was the alligator dude, maybe. Maybe that's what I was thinking of the alligator dude. I thought an alligator got killed at some point, but I don't remember. Anyways. You might um, be right though. I'm just trying to figure out what the heck was it. So I also it's forgot about the suggestion that eating the uh NGL underground members is a big part of the reason the Khmer ants may have turned out the way they did. Like, they basically say, like, oh, shit, they ate a bunch of, like, drug overlords. Maybe this will be bad. <laughs> That's pretty fun. <laughs> that sounds like a plot point to Baki. It kind of does. Um, they also, I forgot that Gon uses uh, scissors as a technique, like, once and cuts that uh, millipede dude in half. Yeah, maybe it, it might just be, like, the one of the ones that just doesn't have its uses or it's not as effective. Kind of like SSJ3. Huh? He could have also been killed off screen too. That too. Like yeah, like I don't know why this doesn't use the scissors. That's only the thing is like it's just not as useful. It's just kinda like how SSJ three is not used because it's not as useful when you can just go God. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, so then I also read up on a part where the survey team mentions down uh, mentions how the Khmer Ant life cycle works. And they talk about how uh, the king would inherit the royal guard from the, uh, and the squadron leaders, and they will report directly to the queen. Uh, no, no, but the squadron leaders will report directly to the queen. The queen, queen would remain in the castle and occasionally give birth to more kings. Uh, the kings would then breed with different organisms, creating more queens, and the cycle continues. So this kind of brings up like, oh, there were... I guess you could make the argument that the kite like chimera ant that exists now is a king mm. you know what up king type territory um but also this leaves the possibility of them starting basically like another chimera ant like hive because apparently the kings are what propagate a new hive while queens kind of continue an old one but it, it does mention that it would be with different organisms so like we never really got to see that. And, you know, probably that's a type of uh, manga that would be written by the other Tagashi brother. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you never know. We might. I don't think this might be the last we hear of ants, possibly. No, then it will be a bug's life. You know, they'll be really simultaneously. But um, fair. hopefully the hopefully the I mean, both uh, hopefully the ants one would be good, but yet better than the bug's life one. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, do you guys remember going killing that armadillo in cold blood in a way that like Yusuke would have like had a whole episode regretting killing a dude for and going just like, nah, who's next? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Going like, there's like that armadillo who's like, I like running into people's stomachs and grinding them up and making them shit themselves to death. Oh. And then going's like, well, guess what? Get shit on. I mean, this is the point where we're, I mean, there's multiple instances where you kind of see not that, like, Gon is, like, morally gray, or he just has his own, like, system of, like, who he, like, would, like, who he thinks is, like, 
like supposed to kill who's okay to kill versus who isn't and whatnot and i think with like right now especially like chimera ants bad so uh yeah yeah. i just brought it up just because i think a lot of people forget about this part and how dark it actually is in the moment if you think about it oh yeah i mean like at the end of the day and like but she yeah she's Yusuke's a softy in comparison to Gon. <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. But like, don't tell people on the internet who say like, I'm not going to watch Hunter Hunter. It looks like a kid show that. Uh, look, look, Gon is the ultimate alpha, gen alpha. <laughs> He's so. a sigma male. <laughs> uh, also, I have a note here mentioning like how different Pito's original design is, where Pito looks like an androgynous ghost that has, like, the ability to read minds, and they just retcon that later. Yeah, they're, they're good at doing that. Like, I think uh, I think if you look at the manga for Pito and, like, just the evolution of all the ants, it's like they all look kind of weirdly fucked up in their own way. It is really weird how they basically made Pito into a gender-fluid but, like, more femme-bodied character in the anime like by a lot like even at the most femme looking that pito looks in the manga they look nowhere near as feminine and i'm not saying like oh being feminine is bad more like oh it is really weird that they went out of their way to sexualize this ant yeah Yeah, no and sorry okay go ahead patrick oh no i was was gonna say that i I just want to ask real quickly for everybody is like i could i forget if it was the manga or the anime or vice versa but they like made the, the the uh made uh Pito have more of a feminine body in one or the other. I can't remember if it's in the in the anime, anime for sure. Because like okay. when they do that part where Pito is jumping across the screen and they show like the silhouette of their like body form without clothes, it's just like wow, you just made that a full fully like wide hipped like mm-hmm. chested uh chested <laughs> My, individual. Yeah, uh Joy is just looking at me over the screen, just like kind of a like what are you guys <laughs> talking about right now? <laughs> Well, yeah, to kind of, that's, I think, one of my biggest gripes with, like, the character designs with, and I think it's, especially now, comparing the manga to the anime, is just, like, when you have a monster, uh, if they're going to be, like, females or femme-presenting monsters, of course, they have to be way more humanoid, which, because they had to be sexually appealing. I mean, With the look exception at, of the queen. Yeah, I'm sure even then, but anyways, like all the they're the scorpion Khmer ant girl, Hina, and then like Pito, who's like femme presenting is it's like okay, like I mean, the, how many humanoid like male Khmer ants are there? There's Shiapuf and um, Yuki ish cult-ish but even then like you know not like that very like monster looking built body versus like Hina who I just thought was straight up human for the most part yeah with just a hat on yeah yeah it's like like, I'm an Anne I got a hat this cool little hat I think Zazan is the only one that I'm like I see what you're. I see what you're saying for all of the females, with the exception of Zazan, where I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's something way weirder here going on gender wise, because they turn from like this very femme presenting, like ultra femme presenting character who impregnates people with their tail, to then like an ultra masculine looking character who no longer is able to impregnate people. And it's just like there's a lot going on there. That's yeah, there's, there's quite a bit. Like, like I think, uh, I, I think for the most part, I think this was 
uh, made or dubbed like maybe 10 years later, I think we'd see more th- them go more to a, a, a femme neutral, a sort of a more non-binary body shape like Togashi did. Well, yeah, for, for Pito in- specifically, but I yeah. think Zazan would still be very female presenting. Yeah, that one I think is definitely more intentional. Hina, I'm like... What was Zazan again? Zazan's the, the scorpion woman. The scorpion lady, okay. Yeah. Now I'm just I was just thinking about like sexual sexualizing Camarans and I was just like, hey, do you guys remember Pike's butthole? <laughs> what the fuck? I can never forget Pike's butthole. Oh yeah, yeah. The spider. I, I, I tend to forget that just because he freaked me the fuck out. I mean, understandable. Do you guys remember that episode that I did that whole research piece on Chi and Nen? That was a long. Well, that was. I think that was a long ass time ago. No, you're thinking of the Nen specific episode, but I did one about the influences of Chi on Japanese culture and then how it led to the development of Nen, which was a different episode, much later. Okay, yeah, I think I might remember that one. Okay, yeah, I'm not gonna get into the details of that, but just remember, guys, I did an entire episode about how Nen came to form. I guess maybe I wasn't on that episode. Maybe not. Um, but. Another thing that came up that I had taken note of was Kite summarizing, Kite basically saying the thesis of the of the uh, saga directly, just saying, a hunt involves hunter and prey. It is a battle of resolve. Emerging victorious from a battle of resolve is what makes a successful hunt. The loser must follow the winner's laws and customs, and for the loser, this often means death. Those who call themselves hunters must get their prey. So Kite was like, we are the hunter, ex-hunter. I mean, yes, that's literally what this was about. And it was a statement about humanity. It was a statement about the Hunter Association. It was a statement about competition between species. It's interesting just hearing it laid out so directly once again, now that we've reached the end. Had to get that thesis out there. Um, Another thing I noticed while going back through our notes, do you remember the Gone You Are Light scene? Yeah, Light Yagami. I remember that. God damn it. Yeah. But that scene is so different in the manga and anime and the, in the anime it's played very like, hopefully while in the manga, it's very like, yeah, we know kite is dead, like super ultra dead. He's not coming back. So they like have such completely different tones. It's like, it's like, dude, he's like ultra dead, dude. You need a, you're like, you're like Pollyanna to the 20th degree. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot that Bisky had come to train Gon and Kilo again. I like that scene. That's I, that's no, one of my favorite. I like ones. it too, but I had forgotten entirely because it's during the like quarter of the saga where like not much happens. Yeah, it kind of was like it kind of was like uh, she was like, "Yeah, you're gonna abandon Gon if you don't like shape up." And then Kilo found, "Oh, I have a needle in my head that makes me do these things. Let me remove it." Yeah, and before anyone talks about that needle being a deus ex machina, we talked about it on the episode, but, like, I think the needle is both real but also a metaphor for, you know, like, Illumi and his parents' abuse. Exactly. Like, yeah, like we talked about it because I, I figured it was like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was an actual needle. I Honestly, the whole time I thought it was pretty much just him imagining it, and there was just, like, a long-drawn metaphor of him breaking that, uh, breaking that cycle and breaking that uh, training. And I thought that's what it meant. Like it wasn't a physical needle that was there, but you know, some people may see it as a, a physical needle. I mean, it could also just be a Nen needle if we want to go like that. It is both metaphor and real. That's fair. I mean, I, I can, I can compromise with that. Um. So another thing that's interesting, uh, do you guys remember in the manga Krollo reading Bobo Bo? 
<laughs> that was weird. And then and then Bisky reading the pornography. Yeah, Bisky's straight up looking at porn where a woman is reaching around a guy and like holding his dick. I mean, classic. Bisky's got some good taste. Yeah, the guy looks suspiciously like Hisoka. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like hair down Hisoka. I'm not joking right now. It actually does. It actually did. I remember that. Um, it's, it's called it's called uh, it's called a Hisoka hustler. He actually publishes it himself. Exactly. Oh my god, Hisoka has an OnlyFans. Oh god, only then. Nah, I we gotta come, we we can probably come up with a bet. I don't know. Do you guys want the bungee gum special? Um, <laughs> oh god, the pages are held steamer. together with bungee gum. Anyways, uh, so another thing that's interesting is when Gon asked Knuckle why he became a beast hunter. Uh, because they kind of go into the whole detail of like, you know, Knuckle wanting to like save everyone, but his beliefs being challenged about that during the invasion. And that's something I totally forgot about. Uh, do you guys remember Netero and Nov setting up this like interdimensional mousetrap where Nov just like led thousands of chimera ants into his like you know, trick house or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. And Netero just murdered in the them inside there. Chamber. Yeah. I had totally forgotten about that until I got to this. And like, they actually mention how like the grand majority of ants were dead, like because of this. And that like the ones who survived were like the elite. Yeah. I and mean, that explains they, a lot. Yeah. He pretty much just like killed all the weak ones. It's like, Oh yeah, let's just wipe them out. But to be fair though, I can understand, especially since a lot of them, escape to the city and just causing a havoc all over the place. Yeah. Um, cause, Cause I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it wouldn't be a problem for an end user, but if regular old cotton eye Joe runs into him, it's not going to be pretty. Absolutely. Uh, I also remember the introduction of shoot and just like how they were an interesting foil to Kila as like someone who's like so anxious that it gets in the way of their ability to like actually use their, tremendous strengths oh yeah i forgot i forgot shoot was relevant i keep forgetting about him hey shoot actually played like a really cool part in the beginning of the invasion yeah then he just got whisked away and just was forgotten about yeah uh also there's a part where they describe knuckle as physically on par with kite but like being much too soft which i thought was an interesting thing that i had totally forgotten about i mean that i i that's believable i don't i think uh I think Knuckles definitely on on par with Kite, but yeah. Oh yeah, just... I think Knuckles like a tremendous fighter, but like too kind. Exactly. Yeah, I I think if they had the motivation, he definitely could be stronger. But like I said, we don't know how now. I mean, we still can see how Kite might get more powerful. Yeah. Oh, I think Kite will be even more powerful now. Like I think Kite will be crazy strong now. Yeah, it's um, gonna have to, like even more years of training and stuff. I wonder if he'll have the same Nen ability or a totally different one. That's something I hadn't thought about. Oh, wait. Yeah, I forgot. it. Like, I was going to say, because we have the example of Palm and how her ability went from her having to have that like mermaid infant skeleton to like now her just having the power herself. But then I remember that she wasn't made into a Chimera Ant the normal way. She was made into it using that pupa thing that they had made, which was like an experiment. Yeah. So don't know if that will be uh like enhancement of what they had already or what's going to go on there. But I actually do want to see what what uh, kites and inability is going to be. We may eventually inability. find out. That's if, not if like a spoiler. Like I actually don't know. Yeah, because I don't think they actually revealed it. 
Yeah, I mean, even in the manga, like where I'm at, I still don't know. I mean, um, it'd be pretty cool if you to see the 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 little uh, roulette thing back, but maybe in know. a different form. Um, oh, that'd be cool if it's in the swords, like because that'd be cool if they if they kept with the the Donatello, like uh, sorry, the the Leonardo looking uh, abilities for kite. Maybe. Uh so uh, reminder: the subjugation team are named after pitches. The royal guards are named after Egyptian gods in French children's books. Uh, and the French children book Caroline at Sayami and Meroim is named after the Hebrew or Arabic word for love. Nice. So at least all those babies that got named Meroim will uh, will at least be named after something that's not that. It's kind of infor- unfortunate that people are naming their kids Meroim, especially because like there already is an Arabic version of that name, which is uh, Marwahan. But I guess like it would be weird for people who are. Because the the guy that we saw whose name Marilyn was Filipino, it would be weird for him to name his son Marwahan. I mean, would you rather have someone be inspired by Marum or like what's the one I saw like Desku Sasuke <laughs> something? Yeah, like, you know, some people are naming their kids that. So I think I saw someone in Indonesia whose name was Spider-Man, Spider-Man bin Batman. So Spider-Man, <laughs> son of Batman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I think Southeast Asia just goes wild with names. Because remember, there's also a dude running around the Philippines whose name is Magic Chongson after Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> like, island Southeast Asia just goes wild on names. Fuck it, I guess. So you you got to do the subtle names. Like if I named a kid, I name him something like like Jonathan or something like a Mel Gear Saw game or, or Mel Gear game, where it's like it sounds normal enough. Where it's like, oh, it's Dave. It's like, well, actually, it's a reference to Solid Snake's real name or wow. something like that. Their middle yeah. name is Hater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their first name's um, Otacon. It's like, oh wait, never mind. Jesus. Uh. They we did a whole episode. Uh, we did a whole research piece where we talked about pedo's gender, and my recommendation remains: call them they them. They actually probably care less than other people, but given presentation and like them responding to whatever and like being very neutral about everything, just go with they them unless they say otherwise. I mean, I don't think they'll be saying much otherwise anymore. Hey, who knows, man? Who knows? Fair, fair, but I mean, actually, I kind of wanted to make it a a. a another image macro of gone in the hospital and just be like, it's like, it's like kite was right. I couldn't handle they, them pussy. You could do that. Please do that. I'll, um, I'll work on that. So we also talked about how Jajanka and kite, uh, Gon's technique can literally be translated as wicked or evil rock, paper, scissors. It's, it's like wicked, sick dude. No, but more like evil. So, you know, just kind of among the many pointers of like, hey, maybe that boy's not all right. <laughs> God damn it, Goni. Uh, there's the whole section where Bisky is telling Kula about, you know, him basically fighting not to lose rather than to win. And that's like a big part of him changing how he views fighting and like his motivations and like his growth. Mm. That's kind of weird. Win to not lose? I'm kind of no, confused. He, he's trying to fight not to lose as opposed to trying to fight to win, which are like two very different ways of approaching things. It's like being cautious, which I think is in the notes, versus being ambitious. Yeah, exactly. So. 
We also then talked about how uh, APR works with 10% interest accrued every 10 seconds, giving the rule of 72 takes approximately seven periods <laughs> oh, God. of growth at 10% interest for the loan to double, meaning that every 70 seconds the loan should grow. And then I tried running the math on this one day and I was like, you know what? I really don't care to think about this because I'm not, I don't have enough information to know about the power trades between them, given their defense, because they've given us all the formulas, but we don't have readings for each of the hits. So it doesn't matter that they gave us all the formulas. Maybe we could, we get somebody that's in the, in the world trade to be able to, or the world trading be able to help us to find out like, like what that numbers mean. You could just find like a center of them to like help I, us figure it out. That doesn't. All right. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to try skipping through this, uh, but uh, just kind of getting to some interesting things. Oh yeah. So when, when Kila and shoot have their fight, which is just an intense battle of people trying to be really mindful. Um, we've caught you up to 2004. There were like seven more years until the saga ended. <laughs> oh my That's gosh. Still crazy. Wait, this is starting in 2007. Uh, no, I think this thing started in 2000, uh, 2004, and it didn't end till 2011, if I remember. Jeez. From, from like, uh, middle school to, like, all the way till like, my my freshman year of college. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I'm trying to see what else is of note uh, or interest. Oh, yeah, we talked about the idea of the ultimate life form and, like, what that would mean and how, like, it means different things in different contexts, but how, like, clearly Meruem is a play on Cell from Dragon Ball Z, in addition to, like, any number of other things, like cars from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, stuff like that. Frieza, stuff like that. Um, I think less Frieza than, like, say, Cell, both visibly and also um, in terms of, like, their composition. I, um, I guess it's fair. I don't know. It, I don't know. He can't, kind of came off more of a Cell... At least sell like a mannerism. Sorry, a, a Frieza mannerism, just like with the arms crossed and stuff like that. Yeah, at least to me, it's like the arrogance, I guess. Yeah, so I the arrogance like, is like visually, it was like Cell and um, Frieza had like a a baby. Yeah, that's because a good I analogy. think yeah, um has like the coloring, um, and I think more of the attitude of of Cell, but he was very like round the way that uh Frieza was you know he's like a lot of yeah. circles <laughs> yeah not so many points compared to Cell <laughs> and and more of just a quiet a quiet person like yeah quiet and brooding um there's also the question of how close the Mitene Union is to the Meteor City because like remember Ants went there and also Bizef and them are gonna go there so that road trip might actually just be like a day like I don't remember where it is, but apparently it's not that far. Just gonna um, put on the mixtape and just like you know, go off to the wild. Yeah, there was also an episode where I did math calculations that showed that Kila was already much faster than Chitu before using Godspeed, uh, as demonstrated by his ability to register where shots were coming from at a distance. Wow, just a regular goal though. Yeah. Uh, I have a bullet point here that just says fish incest, which I'm not going to elaborate on. Oh, boy. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that's that. The, yeah, yeah, the that, Folgers that fish fun. incest commercial. Uh. Fish chest, my favorite. Yeah, the best part of waking up. Um, <laughs> there's a section of going meeting Melioron and Kilo befriending Ikalgo. And uh, 
yeah, basically this kind of is the end of the preparations for the invasion because, you know, Melioron's basically like, yeah, since we can turn invisible, how about we try assassinating the king? And then it just goes to like the rest of the saga. And that's all I really wanted to recap. I just kind of wanted to get us to a point where we remembered stuff that we would have forgotten because we've been covering this for two years. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot. I mean, I mean, well, I, there's I so can... much more to the arc, but the other stuff I think you'll remember better because it was invasion prep and then in the invasion. Yeah, there's just so much stuff like, I mean, it's crazy how long this arc's been going on. Yeah, so we have uh, some sort of like themes here that I want us to talk a little bit about before we go into questions from listeners. But uh, something that was brought up, I think we brought up multiple times during the the series is that a a big theme of this section is Gon and Meruem sort of moving opposite directions between man and beast. And I wonder if you guys have any new thoughts about that now that we've we've reached the end. I think it's kind of funny that like you bring it up because I didn't really think about that too much. I think I, I do agree that, that uh, it seemed like they were going, like, gone went from, like, you know, I'm all rational and, like, you know, think about it to, I'm just going to murder this person. My life is dedicated to killing this person that's killed my friend. And it's that that idea of revenge and just, like, giving it all. Maybe, like, a Moby Dick sort of situation, too, where the hatred ate himself up, essentially. If that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I personally thought they weren't necessarily moving opposite directions from, like, man a beast but more like just the two sides of man and <laughs> like the one that's driven by um both revenge but also trying to protect while the other man was selfishly going after like self-actualization and happiness yeah let me clarify when i say like going from man to beast i'm saying that like hot it's like, you know, the, the theme song of this section, the ending theme, Hyori Itai, which mm. is about two sides of the same coin. I think the dichotomy between man and beast is an illusion and that the idea is that they're moving between two different parts of one creature. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I meant to do a lyrics analysis of Hyori Itai for this episode, but I guess we'll have to keep that for another one because I forgot to do it. Maybe Hyori Itai, this, um, the, the theme song stuff when we get to that. Oh, yeah. When we get to the end of the series, we could just do like a looking at the lyrics of all the theme songs. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, like we did with the u Show. Yeah, and we get to sing along, too. That'd be fun. Ah, uh, nah. Maybe if we do it in person, but only then. Karaoke time, Joe. Come on. I mean, that one place that we went that one time had uh, like anime songs on karaoke, so we could do it there. Down. Back in Arizona. Yeah, let me know. We'll do it. Do it at after party. Yeah. Um, so another thing that I, I think was a theme was you know genocide and replacement in human history, and uh, you know the idea of like you know animals and the competition between them as well, like kind of shown between different races of man, races in this case not being like you know the idea of like race so much as just like oh different groups and cultures and like places eliminating each other and um yeah i i've talked a lot about how i feel that sort of the chimerans are supposed to represent this like explosive growth of like a new species and a new society that is sort of threatening to the old old order and the way the old order assembles itself to eliminate said threat 
um, outside of the bounds of morality. We can definitely argue whether or not what they did was good, but what they did had much less to do with morality than it did with just like a desire to stay on top. Because like, remember, Merriam had talked about espousing a world in which things were much fairer for, for people or at least not as much iniquity. And you can also argue, of course, that that was like bullshit or that he would never have been able to realize it in the way he wanted. But it does throw into sharp contrast, like the horrible human world that exists both in the Hunter Hunter universe, but also in our society that pretends it's so much better than all of the other orders that it has conquered without really examining its own crimes. And so it's kind of throwing up a mirror to the society that we hold sacrosanct without really questioning its evils. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I know what you mean. Like, I think, uh, I think overall the thing I like about Hunter is that it doesn't seem like there was a good or evil. It's like, oh yeah, this race survived and happened to be humans. So yeah, it's never, neither good nor bad, but I mean, I, I think individual people are good and bad, I, but I think it's saying that like the survival of the human race is not necessarily some transcendental good. Yeah, no, and that's sort of how I feel. It's like the them stopping the answer was just like, oh, they just stopped it so they didn't wipe out their way of life. But I mean, I mean, it never really said that. Oh, the ants were worse or evil the way that they're going to implement it. I mean, yeah, of course, them killing all the humans is bad. The fact that it's like, oh, we're gonna have a human preserve and stuff, and it's like, it's kind of like, kind of eerie thinking about it that way. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, and and thinking about it now, so I think when we brought up the idea of the human preserve. I was just like, oh, this is in contrast to the humans who would just rather eradicate all the Chimerians. But funny story, they actually end up doing the same thing. Because, like, remember, there's literally now a Chimerian preserve. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, it's, I guess that's the new Gorto, right? Yeah. Or the NGL, or I forget where it was exactly. It's Yeah, it's in East Gorto, yeah. So, yeah, no, but I mean, at least it, it's it, it, the way that they're they're not limited by that it's like oh yeah they can go anywhere they want it's like okay well i guess reasonably anywhere they want because those guys go to meteor city and we don't know where the rest of the ants have gone though like there's still a ton of them that are probably out there yeah so this is sort of presented as if it's like a good thing but when we get into the manga just know that this is referenced and may or may not be a good thing actually this might be worse in some ways than what was previously planned by the Chimera ants, but that's a topic for a long time from now. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, even if it's a preserve or prisons, a prison, after not all... even in the angle you're thinking of, like it's might oh, be shit. worse in a different way that you'll find very interesting when we get there. Okay. I'm, I'm excited now. Let's go. So there's the question of survival of the fittest. And I, I I said this kind of ambiguously, both the species, but also individuals, because remember, Merwim saw himself as the highest creature because, you know, of the survival of the fittest, but so did Netero. And Netero had created an entire society whose point of view was that it should enable the creation of the strongest by killing weaker people who aspire for the same thing and sort of feeding off of that energy to have this like goal of strength. So it's obviously not exactly the same because like the ants do this by their very nature, but Netero had created a culture and like a like organization that enabled the deaths of thousands. 
So it's yeah. kind of interesting to see that juxtaposed. All right. I guess no one has thoughts on that one. <laughs> I mean, it can, I, I guess it kind of goes back into the, it goes back to the, the whole, uh, just the human, the, the humans in the uh, Khmer ants and, and, the, and that survival thing, I guess. And that's sort of, it's really close. The, or the genocide and the replacement in human history, I guess. Yeah. It goes back to sort of, it goes back to that, the replacement thing. So it's kind of more of the same, I guess, in a way. Makes sense. Um, before we go to the listener questions, I want to know, do you guys have any thoughts or themes that you want to take from the series and discuss, frankly, with us um, that you want to bring up now before we go into listener questions? Are you talking to us or are we talking to the audience? Yeah, I'm talking to you guys. I'm trying to think. Either... Maybe we want to explore not necessarily like the plot in the meeting, but more like how the story was told. Because I know one of the big contentions and one of the reasons I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about this arc was how um, I think the role of the narrator, you know, the good old narrator and how mm-hmm. having him basically be his own character um, and give like insight on like what the characters are thinking but then you see it on screen some people really like it some people don't i think in the end for me i thought i was like oh i feel like it's going to be repetitive but i did feel like it enhanced the experience um but i also am curious like why tagashi specifically chose to do this for this arc um and not for any of the other arcs where the stakes seem to be high but maybe it, he chose to do it here specifically because this is like the highest stakes has ever been. Um, I do think a lot of the themes I think surrounding um, just like the humans versus ants, the um, at first like that, the ants seem like this almost otherworldly threat. And I think someone compared the storytelling to what was seen in like Greek, um, like mythology or like epics and i kind of mm. wonder if he i don't know if he was inspired by it if that he was going for but having that level of like a th- omniscient narration kind of adds to that feeling where we, you as like the reader or the or the audience um even though you're given more information thanks to the narrator it does add like a sense of foreboding of like this is something that's um that we don't understand because we're not even seeing it from like a third person limited view from a human character. We're seeing it from this vague overall picture from the narrator. It makes it seem more foreign. Um, but I don't know. I, that's what I guess one thing I'd like to discuss, see what you guys think. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with one. Yeah. Enhancing the moment, as you mentioned, sort of acting as a Greek chorus. Uh, two, they brought up that whole uh, the heart bleeds and the fist hears, mm-hmm. or the fist bleeds and the heart hears. It was one of the two. I forget. Remember the four four character idiom that gets brought up um, with, in order to explain sort of like the hyper condensed time that people experience during these mortal battles. 
And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty much a way to not only emphasize these as like almost mythologically important events, but also to understand the deep psychology of people in ways that he would have had to expend thousands of other chapters in order to build into it. Um, like, I think in order to understand those psychological depths, he would have just needed more material. And like, mm-hmm. this is a way to get the same story across at a level that you as a human cannot see in the real world, but you can through the miracle <laughs> of the written word <laughs> no that makes so, sense yeah, i think it functions better in the written word frankly i guess like how did you guys and patrick you read both the manga and watched the anime like what did you think about the narrator in both um i think the narrator feels more of a character in the anime and more of a For sure needed and not as needed in the manga just like a oh hey this is the time skipper this is the time area so i think it's more of a need in the anime versus the manga so that's kind of how i feel about it interesting hmm it's my opinion i wonder if it's because he feels slightly less pronounced maybe he feels like he's slightly he's slightly less pronounced as he's not as neat in the manga because the manga could see visually with stuff and take things slowly and like and ingest it I guess I mean like, slightly less pronounced because he doesn't have like a different voice because it's just like, ah, the paper is here now. It's just like some different ink with a square box as opposed to a round box showed up. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a different and, and it sort of blends into it a lot easier than the anime does, which I think yeah. I like more about the uh, why I like the manga a little bit more better or a little bit better just because it's it feels a little bit less like narrated narrator focus and more of you can see what's going on and follow a lot easier. If that makes sense. I guess that's interesting because like, I think he's just as focused, but because it's not uncommon in manga, it doesn't feel as strange. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe that, that would make a lot of sense just because like, I don't know, like like narration, other anime is not as needed, I guess, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's not as it's like, especially with that part. Like it feels very like eighties anime. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, for those who didn't read the manga, like hearing about it, was there anything that surprised you about, like, say, differences or just like tone stuff that like makes you sort of interested in checking it out? Um, probably just some of like the differences in like, I guess, like how the characters are drawn for me. Because one, even though um, the anime, obviously, because it's and from an animation perspective, you have multiple teams working on it. You kind of have to have a streamlined look in order to, you know, draw all the frames. And then just seeing, like, the snippets of the manga, especially during, like, big battles, like, all the textures and everything. It's kind of like when Tagashi from the chapter Black Art of the manga, he went really hard into that etching style with like a lot of shadows and stuff and you can see that a lot in the Chimera Ant manga chapters from what you guys showed so I think that's a big thing that makes me curious to like actually read the manga nice yeah I would definitely encourage it like the variation in art style is something I really like about the manga that you just can't do in anime because as you mentioned production production think about uh, it. logistics makes it impossible yeah, I mean, if you think about it, technically, technically she's going to have to read the manga. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, eventually, but I just meant the parts we've already covered. No. 
Cool. Uh, does anyone else have any more themes they want to discuss before we move to questions? Going, no. going, gone. Okay, so Kill- lost in talking Naruto. Sorry, gone and Killua. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Holy shit! How do we not talk about that? Yeah, going and Killua's relationship and sort of the breaking point of Killua just realizing how much of how much he's used by this other person that he considers a friend, but notices that their friendship is not symmetrical. And like oh. you know, obviously asymmetrical friendship is okay to a degree, but it's wildly unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah. Felt. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> I actually meant like go- like going going and it's like gone and Killua, but like. But I, I guess then you mentioned, yeah, it is an interesting, like, an interesting breaking point, almost like a breaking point of the relationship, because at both at both sides, it's like Killua struggled with, oh, it's something I have to deal with it, make sure I don't hurt Gon, to I think Gon hurt me, and that sort of thing, where it's like Killua's reflection turned almost a 180 in that right. regards, from the the be- the middle point, or the thir- three-halves point, all the way through, to the ending, where it's like, oh, maybe I need to not have this asymmetrical relationship sort of thing which i thought was interesting i think though one thing to propose and this is something because of like that happens often with this type of relationship dynamic with digon ask or Kilua to be so worried over him and like want to basically make sh- cater all these elements of like everything to make sure Gon would succeed because like I think that's just something t- interesting to propose, and I'm glad Kilawa is realizing how, like, at, especially near the end, like, sh- like I need to actually start the what we what the the dynamic I have with my friend is actually very unhealthy, but and does Gon even realize that because he may not? I don't know, um, but yeah, it, it is kind of sad to see. Not the deterioration of their friendship, but just kind of see like how all the cracks of it is exposed, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I th- I think you mentioned the idea of like, does Gon realize it? Like, I don't think he, I think he realizes like what's happening, but maybe not the negative aspect of it, because I think he would think that Kula could rely on him for things that are like, quote unquote, predictably gone. Because for Gon, it has less to do with how big of an ask something is, I think, and more to do with just like, oh, yeah, but that's like what my friend Kilo would do, not looking at like, oh, but he's doing it for me. Right. Um. So he's like disconnecting. He's he's accurately predicting things without really thinking about like why people are doing them. I think it's just crazy that how he how like uh, internal Kilo keeps all of it. Well, it, like all like all the stuff that's going on with Kill was all internal. Like I don't think he's ever talked to him about like the the trauma he's gone through or any of that. Uh, the other stuff or the the Nen needle or whatever or that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Seems like he keeps it all internal, and Gon doesn't really know anything about what's going on. Just like, I mean, oh, it's, it's really... going well, friendship time, yay! What? I mean, if there's any group of people who are incredibly terrible at sharing their feelings and experiences, it's uh, teenage boys. <laughs> that's that's fair that's fair i just think it's it's interesting though how Kilua just keep, i mean i guess technically that's a good reflection of that but like the idea Kilua is working on himself and gone's just completely oblivious to all this you know work Kilua is doing you know absolutely um and 
whether or not Gon has room for growth at a later time is something we can't discuss now because who knows? He's, you know, in whatever the fuck is happening to him mode. He'll grow into his bed. Yep. Okay, so does anyone else have any other themes they want to discuss? Going, going. Jing. Um... <laughs> So yeah, Lawson of Talking Naruto and Balling Out Super uh, ask, was Isaac Netero a good or a bad guy? Um, yeah, man, I got mixed feelings about this. Because uh, like this really begs a lot, a question of like, what do we mean by that? And I think some of this is manga spoilers that I won't get into because it definitely colors my personal reading of it. Um, I think you could maybe argue that someone could have achieved the things Netero did in such a way that helped humans survive in a more humane way. But there's also the possibility that no one else who wasn't as crazy and as like arrogant as him could have done them. And like, we don't have enough information one way or the other, but I will say that like, I am fully receptive to the idea that he was a terrible person. (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, I think I feel the same way. I think he's, He's a terrible person, but the things that he does things that are good for humanity, but not good for anybody else, or really, I guess maybe, I guess the best way is he's, he does things that's good for his own interests. Like he aligns with bad people. He likes, he lets people, you know, that are inherently evil, get like their hunter licenses. It's, it's very, uh, it's very not a, not a good dude. Like he aligns with like the, the assassins and stuff like that. Like the, the grandfather and stuff. It's all messed up and i don't think he's a good person per se what he did i guess is is more of he wanted to self-service him and get and make sure he gets what he wants like you know the power with the punching five bajillion times a day and stuff like that just to be able to get to the position he wants to be at there's also a lot we don't know about his legacy because like while he started shingen ryu and the majority of hunters use the terminology of shingen ryu it is not clear whether he started the Hunter Association or what the purpose of the Hunter Association is because there are questions about that very much that are leveled by the manga post-anime. Because, like, what do you guys think the purpose of the Hunter Association is? Cool boys club? It's like the... It's kind of like the... I don't know why I thought. It's like the Avengers. It's like a other... It's supposed to help kind of keep things attract, but it's not exactly like the greatest thing either. It's just like another organization of very powerful humans trying to uh, work with the government, um, trying to, I don't know, control whatever they can within the world, but obviously they can't control everything. Um or like bounty hunters, people are oh, operating that's... somewhat else. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I thought that's actually a good analogy. Yeah, they're like mercenaries, bounty hunters. I think some of them are. It it strikes me as like a licensing body for superhumans. <laughs> it's. Um, they're but freelancing. Like, <laughs> but to what end? Because they're not, they don't serve any particular government. They work for multiple governments. They don't, like, individual members can take jobs that get in the way of other members. Like, why do they exist? Like, and 
a lot of this, I think, is bound up in like Netero's desire for strength and the cultivation of strength. And maybe he was trying to cultivate someone who could kill him. You know, I don't think that's it. But I definitely think that like a lot of it revolves around his idea of the cultivation of human potential and human strength. And there's definitely good and bad aspects to that, especially if you look at it in comparison, say, someone like Toguro, who you could argue was created an organization for the, you know, cultivation of human strength in like, you know, the teammates that he like killed their teammates and enslaved them. Because um, like Netero is a very Toguro like figure, uh, like looking for this greatest challenge and like, you know, being able or unable to find this and like why do we look at Toguro as so evil and Netero is good I mean I don't think we look at Netero as so good but um how much is the value of like the continuation of the human species how blah 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 um like there's a lot of dimensions to this and I frankly think there are many more dimensions that have been added in the manga that I cannot get into now and I don't think they give me a clear answer either I just think there's so many dimensions of this question that I cannot give you a clear cut yes or no just a explanation that like hey there's a chance someone else could have done these things more humanely maybe not i don't know but i'd like to believe that someone could have it's kind of weird it, it's kind of like one of those uh one of those characters that is the strongest once and and wants to you know be beaten sort of like a like me like a yujiro thing or like a goku sort of thing yeah where it's, it's like- a classic asian martial arts trope Exactly, and it's one of it's one of those things, and and on top of like a wants to be a world leader, like a organization of something. It's it's kind of a weird thing, and I think we see a look more into it. But I would love to see what exactly the hunter organization was for. Like it seems like it's all these things: cultivation of research, cultivation of you know human human survival, you know being a bounty hunter, you know uh, being this body this body that says, oh, these guys are strong enough to not insta die when they go here, or oh, they hundred percent no nen it's it's like just an interesting interesting thing and i really want to know what more about this organization like joe does yeah and i think there's also the parallel with the camarians of like hey it's a collective organization that's about generating incredibly strong individuals and kind of like the contradictions therein um and how that's like a metaphor for maybe certain aspects of modern society but yeah that's a topic for another time um, so, uh, Ramsey of, uh, Ramsey rocks on Twitter, uh, what part of the manga should the anime have kept and what anime differences surpass the manga? Um, you know, I elaborated a number of those when we were going through the notes of like the stuff that happened. Um, I definitely think the varying art style as, uh, Hannah mentioned is something that I wish had been able to be in the anime, but while I fully recognize why they didn't do it. Um, I also think maybe just introducing Kite at the appropriate time in the anime would have been a major addition to it because, like, as we mentioned before, Kite is mentioned a bunch of times throughout the series in the manga, but not in the anime. I mean, um, they did it right that... in the 99, I think, right? Or the OVA. Yeah, they did. That's, like, one of the few things I will really give 99 is, like, yeah, you guys introduced him properly, and he was referenced a bunch of times throughout the series. I mean, they never made it to him, but, I mean, they did either way, I guess. Hey, they, they, well, actually he is in the last shot of the 99 version. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Cause they end Greed Island and then they land there and then they're like Jing and then it just cuts. Oh, okay. Well, I guess technically they did. Oh, that's, that's cool. Sorry. It's been so long. I forget. Honestly, the, the 99 notes have been so long ago. I completely forgot about them. It's probably for the best. Yeah. RIP in hell. Uh, but no, like. But like I, I think I agree I agree with that. Like uh 
Uh, one of the per- we actually were talking about this for I don't know if you guys ever heard of the anime. It's called a uh, it's uh, something Ragnarok. It's like the uh, what the heck's that the anime called? Uh, oh, the record of Ragnarok. Yeah, my me, me and my friend were talking about that. How how the manga the manga has such great facial expressions and the way that they characterize the characters characterize these the the people in the story, but in the mm-hmm. anime it's just like serviceable versus the the use of all the the awesome art styles and facial expressions in the manga. I don't know if any of you have any of you saw that at all or read it. I've read, I think, a good chunk, and I've watched, uh, I think, the first season, and I agree. I think it's just, like, the – because it's just, like, the medium used, even digital ink. It's just, like, you can – all the use of lines and textures can really hide in details, like, hardcore expressions, and you just can't do that with, like, animation – because it needs to move so it just makes it unless it's like a still you know yeah so a lot of those like details artistic details do get lost i guess like what makes up for it is the motion and the color you know so exactly so i think uh i think yeah in my opinion i think i have to agree that i think the biggest change or the thing that i wish the anime would kept is more of those that that exaggerated style mm-hmm. is what I would like. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe some of the gyro stuff, but like that hasn't paid off yet. So I understand them not really going with it. Yeah. Uh, just so you guys know, we have a nine minute warning. So let's, let's try to be quick. Okay. okay. Um, okay what's the next question? Th- there's a section about you catastrophe, which Barabinto said the like, Hey, we don't have to cover this now because he's like, that probably requires like an episode, but I do think this qualifies as you catastrophe. The question of like, hey, what's being resolved by it, though, is more complicated. And I think maybe not as strong of a case of you catastrophe. I think it is one. I just don't think it's that strong of a case. OK, um, I'm, I'm actually not familiar with you catastrophe. Sadly. It's something that I had to look up. I have it in the notes. I ha- he had mentioned it. Pre- or they had mentioned it previously. I, I do not remember. Oh, OK, I'll um, just oh, I can summarize it because I looked it up and I see here. It's basically, a bunch of events that happens that make sure the protagonist doesn't have a terrible ending um and stuff so it's basically a happy ending and it's like a happy ending but like it's it has to be from like a tragedy that is narrowly averted or like half averted Mm. like it describes the end of world war ii as a u catastrophe (laughs) i mean i i definitely wouldn't say this i mean i wouldn't say this was a u catastrophe as i don't think gone really uh really ended quite well in this one for people outside of Gone, this is a you catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, outside of Gone, but it's a protagonist, so I assumed Gone. It's like, well, he definitely didn't end well, but I, I think for the most part, I think it did. A... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think I think for the most part it did. I think that uh, I I could definitely see it. Probably not for Gone, but yeah, I, I can see it. Like like World War Two, for example. I kind of feel like this was like a almost a World War Two like ending, where it's like, I, oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've been that, saying that the whole time. I mean, I, I mean, I think Joe literally said the same thing, and like over and over again, we said pretty much we all. I think we all picked up that this was definitely an analogy to World War II's ending with the the whole splitting the landmass up. But yeah, I yeah, think that uh, it was the yeah. They they dropped the bomb for sure on that whole. Yeah, part. I meant more like sp- splitting the atom. But anyways, uh, what are the philosophical yeah. dimensions? Hashtag of to my, hashtag shout to my boy at Oppenheimer. <laughs> what are the philosophical dimensions of ant reincarnation? Um, 
I figured it had a lot to do with the will of the person killed because they mentioned like Gyro was like fully human in mind and was able to ignore the hierarchy of the ants because of how strong his will is. But then like Reyna survives, but is the least human of those who survive. So I wonder if it's, if you have will like a pretty strong will, you will survive, but depending on the strength therein, you will remember more or less is my guess and also be more or less human. It also could be a time thing. I mean, maybe some of them might not remember, but I mean, it could be a, oh, hey, it took me longer than they did, but oh, now I remember sort of thing. Yeah, she was an early generation ant too, so I wonder if there's differences with that. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of levels of, of the psychological dimension. And honestly, I think we need to give it like 10 years and then maybe we could see if any of the memories came back at all. I mean, it's like any body, like it's going to be different between each and every person. I mean, the ants are, Phil is like, like a, was it a, physically like completely different some aspects so there's that whole level of brain chemistry and how what qualifies as the ant and the reproductive yeah. stuff so it, it's a whole thing but like i said i think it's something that they'd have to wait 10 years for to be able to get the full effect brain like memory wise and stuff like that uh barobinto also asked was the queen really part human i don't have a good answer for this uh because part of the explanation of why she differs from other chimera ants like that are normal size is a spoiler for after the anime. And I'm not clear if that's the only reason she's that size or if she's also part human. Not Do clear. you want to table this and like come back to it after we get to the spoilery part? Uh, yeah, we'll eventually do that. So yeah, we can talk about that then unless Sorry you guys have that. a theory. Um, my theory, I think it just was a fluke. Like maybe that's the way that the ants were. Cause I don't know. I, I know what you're referring to, but I don't know the exact things, but I think in my opinion, I think it's just like a, like a oh maybe the queens are all that way like they have some sort of intelligence i wouldn't say human but like the intelligence of what could be referred to as a human yeah okay next question what's up with the ants who left who didn't agree to the new terms patrick you kind of mentioned that with like your sea king uh the theory king. yeah the um, yeah but I, I i don't know um i also wonder if like without a queen or like a king they could reform a colony, but that would be significantly weaker. I wonder if, like, basically, she spent so much of her, like, collective energy on creating the royal guards and the king that anyone else who's created, it will take them generations to recover to a level like that. But I don't know enough about ant biology to really give an answer. I think that it's not as tied up in a bow as we like to think it is. I think there's a lot more here. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things. I think, like I said, I think some of them just went off to do their own thing. I don't know if they can actually reproduce with anybody that's not an ant. I think they said that they could. That is so unclear because, like, some of the squadron leaders were able to reproduce, but in, like, non-normal ways, like, you know, Zazan's, like, tail thing. And, like, it also mentions, like, oh, the way the king would reproduce would be to, like, you know impregnate, like, another organism's females, but, like, it doesn't really make clear how that works. And then also many of the squadron leaders who had left had talked about wanting to be queens. And it's unclear if they mean that like in the human term or in the ant term, because like they didn't show a way that they could biologically become queens in the way of an ant. So I or don't maybe know. they meant like yes, queen sort of thing. Yeah. They really yeah. meant yes, queen. That's true. Yeah, that could be. But honestly, I think, I think they mentioned like the hunters were, they, they sent hunters out to hunt out the remaining ones that are like causing trouble in cities. So in my opinion, I think maybe they just all hunted them down off screen, just murdered the absolute shit out of them. Maybe, yeah. Uh, and oh, sorry, uh, that's it. Uh, do you guys have any theories on that? Because otherwise, we have the final question, which I think we can all answer. Uh, yeah. No, let's go to the final. 
Barbinto mm-hmm. asks, name your hottest Camara ant. Wolfen. <laughs> wolf Daddy. Wolfen Daddy. Even the bald Wolfen. I, I don't got one. Maybe Pike. Uh, oh, wait. What am I talking about? I know my answer. It's, oh my God. I, I feel stupid. It's Palm. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like a disappointing, like, uh, really? I think I would agree with Palm. She was very yeah. beautiful. She's a hottie, so she's a baddie. And, cool. right. and not a pedophile anymore. Yeah, yeah she, she is big. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess Palm. I wish there was a male mask presenting Khmer Ant that I guess could be a hottie. I guess Shy Poop, if you're into that. <laughs> or not Shy I Poop, mean, no. Uh, Yuppie. <laughs> If you're a furry, like, you know, you could definitely say, like, Lael's pretty hot. I feel like a lot yeah. of people I know th- Lael, Lael have was thirsted through... over Marum. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're right. Pretty boy. Yeah. L- Lael, though, I think he he's, that's like a, that's like a different, like, he's more like, like, like a bear sort of thing. I definitely like, like Wolfen, though. Uh, he's actually a lion, but anyways. <laughs> God, shut up. <laughs> Um, there, wasn't there another one that I said that was daddy? I know I said Wolfen was definitely one. I could have sworn there was another one. I just can't you think remember. Think of Peggy the penguin. Yeah, yeah, definitely Peggy the penguin. No, he he's like dad, like as in as in father. Like he he'd be like my father figure. Uh, anyways, uh, I think that's it. Uh, I gotta say the outro. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook or Spirit uh, or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up, check us out at patreon.com slash spirit under pod and join our public discord where you'll get, uh, be discussing the shit of Hunter, you, and much more. Speaking of uh, the discord, if you want to support us another way, you can help us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Each review gets a service to tens or hundreds more people. And remember, don't die until you're dead. Patrick, I think you wrote that. Thank you. Finally, today's intro and outro themes were made by Michael Crawford and Maddie and respectively. Check them both out on YouTube. Also, big shout out to our editor, Tommy, who's not editing this episode. It's going to be one of us. Anyway, see you on the other side. Later. Bye. Thanks for sticking with us.